Hi, welcome to the Arts Report for October 16th, 2013. Tonight on the show, writer Jessica Broon talks about her murder mystery, Denise Theater. And we have the set, lighting, and sound designer, Pega Bahaney, from the Frank Theater's current production of All In. Stay tuned. I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Lots to talk about tonight, as usual, but I'm sad to report there was another um, sexual assault on campus, so I just wanted to draw attention to it. That was Sunday, October 13th. Um, A female student was assaulted uh, in her apartment building in Fairview Crescent, which I used to live in with my mom um, when I was a teenager. My mom was going to UBC, so um, this is like a random uh, attack, and so uh, he was hiding sort of in the stairwell. So please be careful on campus. The RCMP are on it, um, but it's very important to be vigilant, and guys, maybe offer to walk your friend Uh, home uh, so you know that your female friends are not vulnerable but yeah I can talk about more UBC stuff in a bit but I just wanted to get right into talking about the Frank Theatre Company so they're a theatre company based in Vancouver um, and their mission is to produce and promote queer and sex positive performance Um, and they also want to sort of uh, create awareness around diverse voices, performing arts, um, and individuals and groups outside of sexual and gender norms. Um, And people uh, that are Yeah, so they define queer as outside the perceived norm of sexual and gender roles. but they also, they're very inclusive and, and want to bring in many people from different walks of life. And I'm just going to talk about the play right now. Um, so, hello, hello, Pega, how are you? Fine. I'm just you? good. I'm just going to turn you on there and maybe you can come up close to the mic. And I'm just going to bring up the play. This the thing doesn't work here. So, <laughs> um, the moon's void, of course, today. I hate broadcasting when the moon's void, of course. It drives me crazy. And um, I'm just trying to find the work. Here we go. Upcoming, All In. So, we're here to talk about All In. Um, it's a play. It's open last night. October 15th, running through the 17th, tomorrow night. So there's only three shows. Um, It's on at 8 p.m. at the PAL Studio Theater, 581 Cardero Street, West Georgia. Um, So we've got two tickets to give away, too. I want to say that right off the top. So please email us uh, through our Facebook page, The Arts Report, or on Twitter, CITR underscore Arts Report. Or you can email us at arts at citr.ca so two tickets to tomorrow night's show i know you want to win those so please email in and i'll remind you throughout the show um but this is about um it's called says diversity wreaks hilarious havoc when six individuals from different ethnic religious sexual and ability backgrounds come together at an upscale workshop about belonging um and so it was inspired by a workshop uh they had recently called all the world's a stage um, it's a community building program workshop 
that builds bridges across differences through theater art. So one of the participants was Pega, who's with us in the studio today. Hi. Hi. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Um, so just by way of introduction, um, Peg is the set, sound, and lighting designer for the show. But tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for accepting me uh, for interview. And uh, I, uh, I am a, actually, I have been here for two and a half years. Uh, and uh, I was born and grew up in Tehran, capital city of Iran. And uh, my, um, if you want to know about my educational background, I, I have a Bachelor of Science in Computer Engineering and a Master of Science in, in Industrial Engineering. And uh, I used to work as a software programmer and system analyst uh, for about uh, six years. And uh, besides, it was my privilege to work with some of my professors in um, uh, the field of management um, as an assistant and researcher, uh, which uh, it encouraged me to publish the book based on one of my researchers. And it uh, is in entitled Iranian Entrepreneur Organization. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> you've got quite an educational background. You're an engineer. Yes. And you yes. wrote a book about management and yes, IT um, stuff yes. that's pretty amazing. Yes, and oh. it doesn't have any anything to do with yeah. art. Yeah. And yeah. Specifically, suit and lighting. Yeah, so how did you get involved with All the World's a Stage, the workshop from the Frank Theatre? Uh, actually, um, I received an email from Mosaic Organization, and they invited us to... Um, an orientation session which uh, was held by Frank Theatre Company. And also uh, this co company, Frank Theatre Company, were going to establish a two-day's workshop consist consisting of uh, people from diverse backgrounds uh, in order to form a team for a play. Um, so I, uh, because I, I'm really interested in arts, and so I, uh, I find, found it really interesting, and I participated in that uh, session. And after that, I signed up uh, for um, that workshop, and uh, I was accepted. Uh, actually, they, um, they uh, selected uh, 19 people out of um, I don't know how many, <laughs> but uh, I was uh, one of those lucky people that... Uh, went to that workshop. Good. Yeah, yeah. and so it, um, they had, they chose the people based on sort of their stories were interesting and different from one yes. another. Yes, actually we were uh, a diverse group of people in terms of uh, ethnic and um, um, religious and uh, sexual and uh, sexual orientation, ability, uh, backgrounds. And uh, that was really interesting, interesting uh, for me as well as a newcomer with a completely different culture, different uh, mindset, perspective. It was really um, fascinating for, to me as well uh, to uh, listen to others' story and to uh, have this opportunity to 
uh, tell my story and to share my story with others, with diverse group of people. And it was really very uh, unforgettable opportunity. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how, um, you know, from going from sharing these stories at the workshop um, to having it turned into a play, the playwright, Jan Derbyshire. Yes. Actually, the writer of All In, uh, Jan, um, was in inspired, was inspired by uh, the real-life stories of the participants of this workshop. And uh, she was uh, between us, and uh, she um, lead lead us to l- led us to uh, f- uh, to play some games and to do uh, some activities. And after after each of these games and activities, we um, uh, just uh, sat and talked about our uh, r- deep feeling, our experiences, and. Uh, Yes, and he, she um, was inspired, you know. She listened to us, to our uh, stories, to our feeling, to our... And uh, this, uh, the team of this play, and, you know, was formed um, out of this, actually, workshop. Mm-hmm. And so then you were brought on, so your story was used, but then you were brought on to design the set yes. and the lighting and the sound. Tell me yes. about that. After this two days workshop, they uh, told us that uh, if anybody is interested in um, uh, getting involved in production stage, um, send us an email. And I, I did it actually. And because it was there, I, I had never had this uh, opportunity to be involved in arts seriously. So I, I seized this opportunity and uh, I signed up for um, this, um, for um, uh, one of uh, the, uh, one of, um, uh, as, as, a, um, as an assi- uh, associator, one of the associators of this uh, actually team and um, again they sent me an email and they told me that uh, you are selected and uh, we were five people uh, which uh, were selected out of uh, the 19 people and uh, yes good and so tell me what was fun and what was challenging about um, doing the set and the design um, the challenging uh, part of it was the um, shortage of experience because I had, as I told you, I had uh, never been in this kind of experiences before. But, uh, and uh, it was really challenging for me and, uh, but uh, because I had um, the, the su- uh, support of a great mentor, Florence, and also um, writer uh, and uh, di- director uh, Jan, uh, so um, they helped me a lot to um, to bring up my my ideas, to bring up myself in this work. Hmm. That's great. And so we talked a little bit about why someone should see the play. I think um, all in is not just a story; it's um, in fact, the history. It's uh, talking about a very sensitive and deep 
issue which is worthwhile to be uh, heard and to be understood. And uh, it's about the ma majority of immigrants' uh, hidden voice and feeling. And also it's about conflict, uh, bewilderment, and confusion with uh, have been experienced by immigrants and their children in different um, period of times. And um, in in other uh, in other words, you know, we are as an as a, um, we are as an immigrant, we put ourselves in a big risk and danger in in search of a dream uh, land. Or uh, ho however, in reality, life is a challenge almost anywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, this uh, actually play is talking about these issues and this concept, but uh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, we want people to go see the play. And <laughs> yes. just a reminder, we have tickets that we're giving away to tomorrow mm -hmm. night. And, and what's next for you, Pega? Actually, uh, as a new immigrant who came from a, a different culture, different lifestyle, I uh, still feel the necessity of experiencing. So I, uh, I will welcome any new opportunity in uh, my new learning in theater <laughs> to mm -hmm. work. So you want to keep working in theater? <laughs> yes, and, uh, and at the same time, I hope to meet <laughs> all the requirements of the UBC management faculty for acceptance with into into a PhD program. Yay! <laughs> you will meet those requirements. <laughs> you will get your PhD Hopefully. in management at UBC. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything else pleasure. you want to add? No, just uh, uh, I think um, this play is really uh, outstanding, really, you know, interesting, and it's really worthwhile to to uh, I don't know to go there and watch this TV. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go to this, the one uh, place? Are you going to go tonight to see it? Yes, for sure. Oh, good. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to play a song, and then I'm going to be back with more um, to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about Bradford Lambert. Uh, he had a store in New West that burnt down. He's, you know, someone you know them so long, you don't even remember how you met them or how you know them. Um, but he's in bands. He's a drummer. Um, and so I'm going to play his song first, and then we're going to come back and get on track for the night. Um, and so this song is by the Ford Pier Vengeance Trio. So Bradford um, plays drums in the Ford your vengeance trio um so i'm gonna play that song and i'll be back in just a minute on citr 101.9 fm Get arrested in this town 
that one day you're gonna leave me. Democracy Days presents their fifth annual fundraising concert, Democracy Loud, taking place Thursday, October 17th and 2013 at the Railway Club. Doors at 8 p.m. Funds raised go to support media reform and democratization in Canada. The event features three local bands and great prizes. Tickets are 10 bucks. For more information, visit therailwayclub.com and look under events. billion dollars on the ground, all stretched out and uncurled, would extend about four times around the circumference of the world. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the West End at Australian Boot Company, Banyan Books and Sound, Baru Latino Restaurante, The Bike Kitchen, Cove, Dentry's Pub, Displace Hatchery, Limelight, The Eatery, Fresh is Best Salsa, Gargoyles, Prussian Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop, and the UBC Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or online at citr.ca. Hi, we're back on CITR. Oh, that's replaying. What happened? Moon Void, of course. I blame everything on Moon Void, of course, when it is void, of course. So just for your information, the moon is always in a sign of the zodiac. Um, but when it's sort of between signs, it goes what's called void, of course. So it could be void, of course, for like 10 minutes or it could be void, of course, for like 24 hours. So um, I've become almost superstitious about this. And it's kind of like a time when you're supposed to be more self-reflective. Don't start things don't make major purchases or decisions. Um, and so, you know, I guess it can be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, for me. So, um, you know, it's kind of today, like kind of meandering. So I'm just going to relax. Whatever happens, happens over the next 35 minutes. Um, that was, so um, I had uh, Pega from All In. So just a reminder, that's the Frank Theater Company who they do stories of diversity, sexual, ethnic, different levels of ability. Um, and they look like a really cool theater company. And so All In is their current production. Um, and so it, they, they took stories from a few people that attended a workshop and turned it into a hilarious havoc 
um, when six individuals from different ethnic, religious, sexual, and ability backgrounds uh, came together at the workshop. So it uh, looks like it'll be fun, and Pega did a great job of telling us about the play. So it's running 15th to 17th of October. That's just a short run. Uh, so uh, at 8 p.m. at the Pal Studio Theater, you can check it out at uh, the Frank, or uh, just Google Frank Theater. Um, and we've got tickets to give away. So just a reminder to email us at our Facebook page, at our Twitter, CITR underscore Arts Report, or email us at arts at CITR.ca to get those tickets. Now, I just played a song. Okay, the f- you know, I'm going to backtrack. Um, the very first song I played was Gigi Allen, Sherry Love Affair. Uh, the song I just played is by the Ford Pier Vengeance Trio, because the drummer on that track, and the track is called Will the Real Reginald A. Fessenden Please Drop Dead. Um, the drummer's Bradford Lambert, um, and he had a major loss, which I found out on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. Um, I live in New Westminster, and it was pretty devastating. A massive inferno, quote from the newspaper, broke out on Front Street, which is historic buildings. Now, we don't have many historic buildings in the Lower Mainland, um, and it was pretty devastating, and it turned out that Bradford's store was one of the ones, and he's lost everything um, in this fire. Um, and it's really unfortunate. He and his sister opened a store in March of this year, and it's called Fat Paint. And they were starting to get like incredible media coverage and become very successful. So um, Bradford's like an artist, um, and he and his sister opened this store with selling this special kind of paint, chalk paint, and it gives uh, furniture an aged or distressed look. Um, but when his sister Victoria told him about chalk paint, he didn't know what that meant. Um, but when she described it to him, he was like, oh, that's fat paint. That's what they call it in the film industry where he worked. So they got this really cool historical space, downtown New West, with like bricks and um, hardwood floors. And they set up their own line of paints with all these really cool colors. And they, they made the space really beautiful and they refurbished furniture. And they wanted to open it as a community space um, to, like, uh, they sold consigned furniture, all uniquely crafted by local artisans. Uh, They offered workshops to teach techniques to create your own beautifully restored pieces. They were also going to rent studio space, host host events, and vintage markets. So all this stuff was coming together, um, and people were starting to order their paint from all over uh, North America because they had these beautiful colors. Um, And there was a big fire. So uh, Brad's been on Facebook really positive. So it's a major loss. Like, the place was like rubble, raised to the ground. Um... And but he and his sister are going to rebuild the store and start mixing paints again. And I have no doubt they'll be successful. Um, But we just can't afford to lose these old buildings. Um, And that's what I love about living in New Westminster. Um, I'm quite into it. The downtown is kind of like it's they don't have a lot of hip businesses. It's kind of old school businesses. And it almost feels like Halifax down there, like these kind of old alleys and historical buildings and uh, other than the congestion, which is a horrible complaint in New Westminster, I'm really enjoying it. And there's a few things to do um, 
the Heritage Homes Tour. That happens in the spring. You can check that out at newwestheritage.org. Um, these tickets sell really fast, but they're very proud of their heritage homes in New Westminster. And so you can buy tickets and go around to all the different ones. They've got um, turn-of-the-century ones to the 1950s sort of mid-century modern ones. Um, and they also have Irving House Museum, which I want to go to really badly. 1865 Irving House. It's historical, offers visitors the opportunity to revisit the splendor and grace of those early pioneer days. And like costume guides take you around. And that's kind of like my like optimal fun thing to do. Um, so good luck to Bradford and his sister. Um, and keep on rocking Bradford. So usually I do my little UBC intro at the beginning. I, I didn't have time today because I had my guest in the studio. Um, but yeah, I, I came to campus like pretty in a bad mood because the moon was void, of course. I was late for a meeting, um, started getting really irritable and driving dangerously because I couldn't get to where I wanted to park because of the, like, the massive construction. And it's in a pretty bad place, but it's such a nice day and you can't stay in a bad mood for long um, on the UBC campus because the UBC farm had their little Wednesday market and they had these beautiful little cucumbers and kale and carrots and apple mint. And it's like the nicest thing I've ever smelled apple mint. So I bought some things and I was laughing because like, you know how people guilt you out when you get a bag, like a plastic bag. So the guy in front of me was like barefoot, wearing a skirt, had his hair kind of in a matted, dreadlock like a bun at the back and a feather in his hair and he had a plastic bag and I was like okay if he has a plastic bag I don't feel guilty about getting one that just made me laugh um and I saw a nice freshman playing the recorder and that made me feel good and then of course you stroll down the fairway to the rose garden with this just ridiculous view of the water and the mountains and you just go yeah like it is the number one city in the world um then I ran into like an escaped mental patient. Um, and I can say that because I've been a mental patient um, and I do a lot of mental health advocacy, but I could just tell from his like kind of green hospital gear and, and a gown um, and the way he was talking to himself in an agitated way that he was probably on the lamb. So, and other people were walking by, I could tell they felt kind of nervous. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? And um, he's like, okay. And, and I was like, Hey, you know, do you want me to walk you back? And sure enough, he, he was from where I thought he was the UBC hospital, but, um, he's like, no, no. So I kind of walked on. Um, but then I caught up with him again and asked him how he was. And he's like, am I making any sense? And I was like, well, and then he said like the world, it's all going, you know, we're destroying the world. Um, and we're all going to die. And I was like, yeah, that is true, you know, and it's very upsetting and, and that kind of calmed him. And then I was offered again to walk him back, but off he trot, trotted in the direction of Detweiler. So hope you're doing well, um, patient, and uh, just be well. It's possible. Recovery is possible. And a person who thinks that recovery is possible is Lieutenant General senator romeo dallaire so like my day was just like steadily improving 
And then I got word that as part of my work with the Veterans Transition Network, I got invited to a special ceremony um, where veterans are um, being awarded coins, special coins by Romeo Dallaire. So, I mean, I nearly fainted with excitement because I've read his book, Shake Hands with the Devil. I've seen Hotel Rwanda. Uh, Dallaire has made several um, documentaries about child soldiers and the Rwandan genocide. And so he's just a seriously stand-up guy. Um, And I idolize him in every way, not in a hot way, but in like, I wish he was like God way. Um, So I'm going to get to see him and, and be introduced to him tomorrow. So that's really exciting. And I'm like, well, if he can do what he's done, I can write my thesis. So even though, you know, I've sort of had a setback with my thesis today, just back to square one uh, with my methods and all that stuff. But anyways, that's just kind of a rant, a random rant. Just because the moon's void, of course, anything is going for the next, I don't know, 28 minutes. So Halloween. Halloween is like my favorite day of the whole year. I love Halloween so much. It's almost painful. Um, and I just like the way everybody decorates things in this. We acknowledge this dark side of life, um, when the veils between the worlds are thin and just the crisp fall air and everybody dressing up. Um, and so there's some great things to do around Halloween. And one of the things that is very dear to my heart is the Dunbar Haunted House. I discovered the Dunbar Haunted House, it must have been about 2006. Um, I cared for a disabled lady and her mother knew about it and said we should go as like a little adventure. And we went and I was really blown away. So it was people from the film industry that had fixed up their house, but done like an over the top job. And then you could tour through And uh, it was like, I can't even describe it, what they did. Like each section had its own theme. So there was like the hall of like murderous clowns. And then there was like the medieval graveyard. And I mean, it was indescribable. And I've ranted about it for years. So then I've gone back every year. Um, One year I went with my boyfriend at the time, Rodney Graham. So if you go in the day, it's fine. It's it's scary, but cool. But if you go in the night, they have actors that leap out and it's utterly terrifying. So when I went with Rodney, we were like screaming and clinging together and even clinging together with other strangers. Like your gut instinct is to like, like crush together with fellow human beings under threat. And, you know, they have these big monsters and like, it's like, which one is going to jump out at me? Um, it's terrifying. And I went last year. Um, and so last, and it had so much success. So in 2010, they had over 15,000 people visit between October 15th and Halloween night. And they raised money for the burn fund and, and the, um, the BC firefighters burn fund. Um, And so it was so busy in 2010 and 2011 that last year in 2012, they got an industrial site, um, a warehouse, because they by this time had so many props and so many people coming through. So I went through, it wasn't so great. I could tell it was just like, you know, the first year. Um, And I went, I think I went with Deb from the Oregon and uh, 
the people jumped out. It was scary. Um, and even one person who was dressed as like Freddy kind of with a hockey mask chased this poor girl around the parking lot. I think it went too far. Like she was rolling and screaming on the ground. I thought, you know, it's a bit traumatizing. I wouldn't go again. I would definitely wouldn't go again. So it's like, I think between 1 and 7 p.m. There's no jumper ooters, as they say in Scotland, jumper outers. Um, but after 7 to 10 or 7 to 11, when they go, um, there's actors and they will come out from anywhere and like attack you. It's you will scream. But uh, when I went on the website this time, uh, it's sad. They said it's going to be their last year. Um, and I, I can only assume this is because it's just so much work. Um, and then to keep this industrial space all year round, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's a massive loss. So go this year and do it. Go this year to the Dunbar Haunted House. And you can check that out at www.dunbarhauntedhouse.com. So more Halloween stuff. I want to talk with Jessica Brune. She's a friend. Um, but I didn't know about her that she writes murder mysteries and she's putting on a murder mystery um, dinner theater at um, the Old Surrey restaurant. And so I had a chat with her about that today. I'm going to play that for you. And then I'm going to come back with like some Halloween music and talk about art. So here she is, writer Jessica Brune, talking about her murder mystery. I did a lot of um, uh, coverage of social justice issues, and I wrote for the school paper and the medical quarterly up at SFU. And um, then I began to become interested in, in writing plays. And um, one of those ways to get my own work out there without having go, to go through quite a lengthy uh, selection process from a lot of the local um, community theaters organizations around town was to effectively start my own one up um and the story behind um my dinner theater is a little unusual uh i was auditioning for a show at uh, white rock players one year and a man uh, approached me he was a producer and uh he had this idea he'd been producing murder mysteries in, in various towns um, going from town to town kind of like a traveling salesman and he had this idea and he, he cast me as a, as a character um, and his pitch was we would be performing murder mystery productions in a variety of different restaurants for the Halloween season so he had uh, contacted different restaurants and the contracts were all set up and uh, all I had to do was rehearse and get actors to perform for him and uh, we were all set to go, and we held rehearsals uh, in my garage and at various other actors' uh, personal places of residence. Um, that should have been the first kind of clue that uh, that maybe things weren't what they seemed with this producer man. Um, so show show night came, and my group of actors uh, were prepared to put on the show. Uh, and simultaneous on the same night, he was also performing with another actor at a different restaurant. Um, now, he had said he would be present for our show. He wasn't, so 
it was kind of a last-minute decision that uh, we made as a group of actors to continue on and, and to do this. Um, and so we had a very positive experience. The restaurant was wonderful. We really enjoyed uh, interacting directly with the audience, highly interactive shows, three different uh, scenes, one-act play, and uh, everybody loved it. It was a hit. Um, and we were very disappointed when uh, we'd never heard from this producer man again, essentially. And, um, you know, I discussed what had happened with the manager of the restaurant where we had our show and then the manager of the restaurant where he had put on a two-person show and the other actor from that production didn't receive any compensation either. So it was a paid gig and nobody got paid. So I decided to kind of keep up the relationship with the manager and, you know, describe what had happened and, and start something new from scratch. And uh, and so that's what I've been doing for the last uh, six years now. We've done every type of show you can imagine from, you know, classical favorites, uh, cult, cult favorites like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show to uh, an adaptation of Sweeney Todd to uh, King Arthur, Sword in the Stone type of murder mysteries. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I've written, directed, and produced and acted in over almost 15 to 16 productions. Yeah. Wow, so. that's amazing. <laughs> so, like, what's, what's sort of, I know you don't want to give away secrets, but what, what are some of the conventions of, like, a murder mystery story? Mm-hmm. Um, well, some of the major uh, conventions or, or tropes uh, revolve around um, presenting your characters in a way that uh, kind of plays on people's stereotyping and assumptions. Um, and so one of the great uh, forerunners of murder mystery writing is Agatha Christie, and um, I'm, I'm kind of traditional in, in that I pull from her style quite often. I'll... I'll set up a scene that's, you know, quite normal, and you wouldn't take a, a second guess at it, but it's in, it's in the details and, and the manner of speech and, and the way people present themselves. So essentially you have the audience uh, contemplating each and every person's motivation and, um, and what they could possibly get out of the situation. Um, and I, I guess that's what keeps people interested in this genre, uh, being able to try and, and understand how another person thinks like we do ourselves. Um, it, it's, it's a cool kind of thrill when, when they're able to, to put a piece together. And I'm always really careful with my actors when someone does put something together correctly to give a little bit of you know, acknowledgement of that, but not give it away. Always undercut that with a bit of a red herring or a bit of a suggestion that, well, yes, it could be that way, uh, and there's a kind of a visceral reaction, an emotional acknowledgement, but it could also be this. Well, I don't know about that, but I have my suspicions about this person. So that, again, it undermines the original uh, theory. And uh, <laughs> it is playing with people's um, minds a little bit in, in a harmless kind of fun way that keeps people engaged. Um, and, all, of course, all the stories... They do have murder in them, um, but I try and stay away from hot-and-button issues like any type of political deaths. Or I try and keep them... Um, the deaths do not happen 
at the show, uh, the deaths from characters, uh, most of the time the characters aren't even involved in the production. No one dies in the middle of the room and then we have to go around looking for <laughs> clues. It's not that kind of show, but uh, it, there is a, there's three portions of, of dialogue that the, the audience can watch with the actors to kind of get the backstory and un- understand um, the character's origins. And then the rest of the show is uh, audience members asking actors questions and, and piecing things together. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about what to expect, like, this year. Like, what's the theme, and then is it on, like, in terms of how people interact with the, sh- the play and so on? This year is... Um, I think it'll be a fun year for people who are familiar with the uh, horror movie franchise, Evil Dead. And for those who are not familiar with it, it's going to be a bit of an hilarious uh, parody of all kinds of assumptions uh, we make about kind of um, the hero quest and what is it to save the day. Um, So Evil Dead, uh, very popular um, kind of, again, cult classic. Uh, Bruce Campbell acted in it. Uh, very low production quality. It's about uh, demons taking possession of these uh, university-age campers in the woods. Um, and uh, the lead character, Ash, goes through a metamorphosis of, uh, of having to... Kind of, he's a passive kind of boyfriend character in love with his... Uh, childhood sweetheart and then he sees her be consumed by a demon and uh, has to defend and then protect um, the other members of the house poorly and ultimately changes into quite an aggressive and jaded bitter character so we've done a bit of a role reversal with that character or rather a gender swap so ash is a female in my show and her brother has been um, possessed by a demonic spirit uh, they're completely unaware of how to how to fight. This summer, their boyfriend uh, Larry was was possessed, and then later died from complications of this possession in the cabin, uh, as well as her uncle Pete, who used to study the Necronomicon and has a degree in anthropology from UBC, and. Uh, to kind of numb her pain, she, she works at a local Walmart um, trying to study to get into JAG, um, uh, the Army uh, Judicial um, Service. Uh, very, very into martial arts, very into guns, and her brother is a quite sweet artistic type who, who was vulnerable to this type of possession because he, he too was interested in in the occult and uh, spent a lot of time with Uncle Pete learning about it and specifically medieval woodprint making. He got in a little bit too deep and uh, neither Ash nor her best friend Jackie, who were present at the cabin last year, can remember what happened. So they're suffering from from a lot of memory loss um, and confusion, um, desperate to try and find um, find. Uh, Ash's brother Carl and kind of resolve what happened. There's a lot of guilt there. Oh my god, it sounds amazing. <laughs> and and so people act it out like at the front of the room or and do they ask the audience direct questions or? Mm. Like, well, the great thing about the Old Surrey restaurant as a performance venue is it's comprised of five dining rooms. And they're all very small and intimate and it really is a nostalgic dining experience. 
Italian, it has wonderful French cuisine, and it's a very intimate setting to do this. Um, so we perform these scenes, several scenes, several different times for, for the different rooms in the night. And uh, we will present uh, kind of a, a talking portion where you can kind of get the gist of, of what's going on. And, and then at the end of this, we'll, we'll do a little bit of direction. You know, you have to help us collect these and piece what happened together. Um, and so the, the audience members become invested in with the character situation. And then in between these planned scenes, um, that this is the time where the audience members can pull an actor aside and ask them, you know, what's going on? You know, what's your deal? What, what happened? What have you tried? Uh, what, what can we do to, to assist you? Like, are they downstairs? And, and sometimes the actors can run a search of the place with the audience members. Um, uh, it really is kind of an, an organic and spontaneous show. Um, and I don't think there's anything quite like it uh, because there is no fourth wall. People can really get up into the actors' uh, faces and, and quiz them. And unlike Tony and Tita's wedding where, you know, you're never quite sure who's an actor, who's a real guest, um, it's very clear who the actors are. Um, yeah. I'm just, yeah, blown away. So, why, <laughs> uh, like, have you thought of expanding, doing things all year round or at different restaurants? We are open to taking um, different booking requests at different restaurants. Um, I have thought about it. Um, last or two years ago, we did an additional production at Cafe du Soleil in Vancouver on Commercial Drive, um, and the format was a lot different, obviously, because um, there's one big room in Cafe du Soleil, and uh, we were we had a stage, so it wasn't our typical kind of production, but it went quite well. Um, yeah, we're, we're really we're open to, to branching out and to moving to different locations, uh, and yeah, we're we're pretty flexible. Um, timing, obviously, for special events, uh, we've done uh, corporate Christmas parties before, uh, anniversaries, birthdays, and one of the strengths of of the company is um, I'm the um, the, the chief writer, and so I can create a show customized to, you know, whoever's uh, special occasion we're celebrating, and customized to their preference, their genre, you know, their likes, some of their personal history, depending on, you know, what their loved ones want shared, and we can produce something that's really going to be entertaining. Hi, this is Sarah Lapsley on CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to The Arts Report. That was writer Jessica Brune talking about her murder mystery, Dinner Theater. Um, and that is October 27th, one night only, at the Old Surrey Restaurant. Um, so you can check that out at Old Surrey Restaurant CA. Now, I, I imagine it's out somewhere near White Rock in the country, and they have their own farm. And it looks like they have incredible food, like farm to table kind of cool food and a whole dinner a three-course meal um, plus the murder mystery is $60 Um, so I think that's a spectacular deal so yes I suppose that's the end of my Halloween segment I actually won't be back Um, this month on the arts report I'm scheduled to come back um, November 6th so that's why I did the Halloween segment early and you know it makes me really mad when I see Christmas decorations out like yesterday on the 15th of October, like it just ruins Christmas to have it just so saturated. I mean, we all agree on that. Um, So the day after Halloween, okay, but not 
until Halloween's over. So I'm going to play a Halloween song and then we're going to come back and talk about the ore gallery. Um, Sam Hain, I guess it has Danzig in it. Glenn Danzig. People make fun of him. I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. Um, but I like Sam Hain because that's obviously the pagan Wiccan name for Halloween. And the l- drummer, London May, is really hot and cool. And he's also a nurse, a male nurse. And so I have this like extended fantasy about, you know, him nursing me and wiping my brow with a cold cloth and bringing me like a vanilla shake, nutritious shake, and like giving me a morphine drip and maybe kind of snuggling up with me. So um, here's Sam Hain the howl so happy halloween everybody to do nothing to do sometimes I listen to misery hour with Hans close Wednesday at 11 before midnight I don't think I like it (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I love braids. Did you know that they are coming to Fortune Sound Club on October 22nd? With guests 100 Waters and Kodak to Graphs. Tickets are available at Highlife, Zulu, Red Cat, Beat Street and online at TicketZone.com. Ooh ya just listen to that dog. Hi, it's me, Sarah Lapsley. The moon's coming out of void, of course, at 6.30. So uh, just a few minutes left in the show. Um, Bricks and Mortar is an event put on by the Orr Gallery to celebrate their 30th anniversary. It's an art auction and dinner, uh, and they're going to use the money to establish a residency and project space in Vancouver. Um, so it's this Friday, October 18th, at the Vancouver Rowing Club, which is pretty fancy, and tickets are $175. If you have a table of 10, it's only $1,500. Um, but I guarantee it's going to be a very nice meal and very cool, uh, fancy people there. And you can bid on art, and there looks like some amazing artwork um, from various people. So Brian Youngin, um, he's an Aboriginal artist who's like mixes really contemporary style uh, with Aboriginal style. Uh, Kyla Mallet, I like hers. It's a text work which says, "When I say no, I feel guilty. I don't feel. I never say guilty. I, I don't." think I feel guilty when I say no. Um, Shannon Oxan and uh, her still uh, spins. It's a black and white print. She did it in 2001. We were very close uh, at the time when she made it and it's a beautiful work. Um, there's also Kathy Slade, my friend. She does these cool artworks. They're like embroidered squares on canvas um, but they're guitar tabs. They're cool, like, embroidered guitar tabs and, and to different songs. And this one's Revolution by the Beatles. Who else is there? Jeffrey Farmer, Ian Wallace, they're well-known Vancouverites. Um, Roy Arden. Rodney Graham has a painting, Oil and Pasto, Untitled, 2013. Uh, he's, it's not his greatest uh, oil that I've ever seen um, but it's worth a lot of money and uh, so definitely this one looks really cool American History Painting by Gary Neal Kennedy I don't know what it is but it looks like maybe some paint off a wall but that's like many layers which suggests all the things that have happened in that room anyways check it out uh, Bricks and Mortar or Gallery 30th Anniversary Art Auction and Dinner um, to establish a residency and project space in Vancouver. So um, just to wrap up, um, I won't be on for the rest of the month. I'm back on the Arts Report November 6th, and I'm also taking over a show, Are You Aware?, uh, for the host, Fleur Cooper. She's going to Australia. So I'll be doing um, one uh, or two Are You Awares every um month uh for november december january and it's about musicians with a message and i've started thinking about it and there's not that many with a message so you have to kind of hunt for people's stories um and and find out about um what like 
you know, they've overcome something. Um, what else? We're giving away the tickets to All In. So please, please, please email us. I want to give away those two tickets. Um, and I want you to also stay tuned after six o'clock um, because we've got a special arts project and it's called Witnesses Art and Canadians Residential Schools. Um, and it's a really good podcast um, about First Nations artists um, and they come together to express the cultural and personal impact of the residential school system. I'm going to be keeping talking about this um, because of the importance of it and the um, truth and reconciliation event um arts reporter megan mast she's a ubc journalist student she talks to artist bo dick he's really huge keith wallace and artist gina liang and this arch projects also features excerpts from lisa jackson's savage video so i'm going to play that just after i play volumizer so i talked about the or gallery and shannon oxenen and rodney graham their works are going to be up for the auction and they were in a band volumizer with um jade blade from the dish rags and bill napier hemi from the pointed sticks and they had a, a short-lived project um and here's a song from them so I'll, it's called two words so i'm going to play that say goodbye i can't say this is like my best show ever but i tried um and that's all i have to say i'll be back soon i'm sarah lapsley and here's two words by volumizer stay tuned for the arts project next
Welcome to the Arts Project, produced by the Arts Report, Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CITR 101.3.